Well, it's so good to see all you guys today. Um, one of the things that happened this week is that somebody didn't want to see me. Um, and it happened about twice. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed anything, but recently, and it might just be me, I have witnessed multiple occasions at fast food restaurants, grocery stores, and other service-related places where people just have an absolute tender tantrum over the stupidest things. Like, and it's just like those videos that you see on YouTube, right? Like, um, you watch it and you're like, oh, that couldn't happen in Pincher Creek. Oh, yeah, it happens in Pincher Creek. It's just, oh, it's, it, it, can be, it can be really, really wild. Um, and so the weirdest part is that both these times in the last week, it's happened a few times in the past, but especially in the last week, um, I was at Walmart, and I was um, battling with my McDonald's addiction again um, and falling into that McDonald's addiction. So I was at McDonald's, have mercy on me, um, and I was, uh, I was talking to one of my youth who works at McDonald's, and it was like 9.40, and the store was about to close and stuff, and so we were just shooting the breeze a little bit, and all of a sudden, two people come in, and they're just, I think they ordered some soft drinks or something, I don't even think they ordered any food, and um, the, my youth guy, he was prepping the drinks, and he was getting them ready, and um, we were talking while it was happening, and all of a sudden, this person absolutely loses it because the soft drink took an extra second to get to her hand. Like, loses it. Like, absolutely loses Like, he was doing it, and it wasn't like we, we were stalling or anything, but I was trying, as I was practicing this morning, I was trying to, like, formulate how to tell you guys what she said, but I couldn't because it was so provocative and mean that it was just, it was too much. (laughs) And so here's the funny part is that like, so she starts yelling at them and then, so they're like, are you talking to us? And she was like, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him and points at me and I'm getting the soft drink over in the corner and I have no idea what she's talking about. And then we leave the store and then she's like yelling at us and she's like, oh my goodness, it was absolutely crazy. It was like the wildest time. Like I I was trying to hold in like laughter the whole time because I just witnessed like a 45-year-old mom with two kids next to her have, have an absolute tinter tantrum over the fact that her soft drink took an extra second. It was crazy. And then it, and the other funny part is it happened again at Tim Hortons and the exact same scenario. And it was like my, one of my youth was helping one of these customers. It must just be the Jesus in them or something. Like seriously, they must absolutely hate Jesus people. I don't know. But like it, the exact same thing happened and a middle-aged woman came up and just absolutely lost it because her like one item, I think it was like a muffin, didn't come in a bag. Like it came in like one of the small bags, but it didn't come in like the big bag. So she absolutely lost it. Makes perfect sense, right? Right. <laughs> in, in the midst of that, it is, you, you can kind of see where this is going. It's, there's an unpeacefulness right? There's almost like a, a disturbance in these people. And you guys may have had your, had your own experiences with people like this, and you either, you either want to um, absolutely lose it on them, and you want to just completely destroy them, or you just are like me, and you can't like, almost hold back the laughter because you're watching a grown person act like a two-year-old. Um, <laughs> whatever it is, you can, you, once you leave the situation, you say, man, they must have had a really bad day. That must be what it is. There's almost an unpeacefulness that's, that's in, in those kind of people. Um, and on that note, the topic of today, and another question that you guys have brought to our attention, is how do I experience peace in such a painful world? In a world where 
people are mean. The world hurts. Pain exists. Whatever it is, it's hard to feel peace when I'm in pain all the time. Whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional. Pain is everywhere. With that, let's pray quick. Jesus, thank you so much just for being here and answering some of our biggest questions, God. Um, You are good to us. You have always been good. I ask just for a peacefulness just to wash over this congregation that we won't have anybody leaving the church today and reaming out people at McDonald's, God. Thank you, Lord. Be with us today as we just um, are in your presence, in your precious name. Amen. you guys may have kind of come, come to the place where you're like, oh man, like maybe this peace stuff, I haven't really been feeling it myself. And I can guarantee you guys right now in my heart, peace has been kind of hard to come by for me. Whether it's coming back from work and sitting down on the couch and being like, man, I really want to relax right now, but I can't. I'm stressed out. Or whether you're, you're sitting there and um, you wake up in the morning and you almost feel like you have to put the mask on before you go to work or before you go do your stuff. It's like, I know I'm in a lot of chronic pain right now, but I just got to put the mask on. I know right now that I've been struggling with depression, but I got to just go put the mask on. There, there are so many different areas where we feel like we have to put a mask on to make people happy. Um, but you guys, f- for you guys today you might wonder, what is this peace that we're talking about? And now this isn't the kind of peace of, I guess you could say, nations battling over peace in the land. No, this is the kind of peace, and I have it right here, is that it's harmony between people and ourselves. That's what peace is. It's harmony in ourselves, right? It's the idea of, man, like, I get back from work and I'm like, man, you know, I'm just good with everything right now. Like, everything's absolutely great. You know, there's things going on, but, you know, God's good. That, that kind of a peace where, where you know it is. But there's something that kills this peace and something that plagues us all. And this peace, it's wounds, kills us. These spiritual wounds, they kill us. You might say, okay, you and what, what are you talking about, spiritual wounds? Um, I'm not talking about, like, you were in battle with some angels and you just, like, got sliced up. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the hurts that we experience in our innermost self. The hurts of a past relative. A hurt of trauma. A hurt of pain from a spouse or friends who betrayed us, that kind of a hurt that when we think about it, we almost groan internally. That kind of a pain. That kind of a wound. That's almost like it never goes away. Job, for instance, is a great example of this. Um, If you guys know the story of Job, an absolutely amazing man of God who had cattle and sheep and everything that you could have ever wanted. He had an amazing family. He had an amazing wife. Everything was going great for him. In, in this, something happened to him, and we all might remember, and if you don't, it's okay, that Job had everything removed from him, basically at the same time. Like, as soon as like, his servant came running back to him, it was like, everyone's dead. <laughs> it was all over for him. Like, basically, everyone, all his kids had died, his wife left him, um, all of his property was basically destroyed, his cows and sheep were gone, and he was broken. And this isn't really a story, Job's story really isn't a story of people being like, man, God is good. It it ended up good in the end, 
But for the whole book, it can be summed up in this one verse. It's Job 30, 17. Night pierces my bones, but gnawing pains never rest. And some of us feel like this. It's like there's a never-ending inside of us. It's like it, it pokes and prods at our heart and our soul every single day. These wounds, these, these pains, they're like a testimony, they're evidence of the hurt that we're going through. They will always show themselves. It's like, it's like we know they never leave us. It's like, man, I was hurt. I can't get rid of this. I can't not think about this. It's like, for instance, I remember I had, um, I, I think it was, I had a grandparent pass a long time ago when I was a kid, and it was almost for like two or three weeks. It was like this never-ending headache, but it wasn't really a headache. It was just kind of a tension. Like it never leaves you. The spiritual hurt, it never leaves you. They remind you what happened. And like in your body, it stings for a long time. And it's not like, ev- like the evidence I'm talking about right now isn't like the evidence of, man, like God is going to show me how these things are going to work for my life. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But what I'm talking about right now is the evidence of, man, this hurts. And it's not going away. That kind of a pain. It's like it never leaves. It's stinging all the time. You can't, you can't make it go away. And the, and the other thing is that these wounds, these unpeaceful prospects, they make our lives hard to adapt to. It's like this stinging, this never-ending pain, it makes us have to change ourselves. Like I was saying before, it's like the mask that we put on every day. There's been days I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have to be someone else. I can't just be Ewan. I got to be Ewan 110% today. When I woke up in the morning and I really just felt like absolute garbage, I woke up in the morning and I didn't feel like I could do it that day. It hurts. Some of us can keep that mask on for a day and we come back at the end of the day and we sit down in our bed and we're like, man, I have to do that again tomorrow. There's others that can keep the mask on for years never show their emotions ever. And after five or six years, there's one event that just releases it all in one big fury. And there's others of us that can keep the mask on for no more than just a few minutes. Within minutes of trying to cover up their unpeacefulness, their pain, their wounds, it's like they just break because the hurts so much. Before we get into the rest of this, I want to share with you guys that there is an undescribable hope beyond measure that's there for you. This, me- this message isn't just about how unpeacefulness and pain and wounds hurt us. This is about how God wants to shape our pain into peace. I remember when I was younger, um, I had a very normal Pincher Creek childhood. I loved my Lego. I loved my Indiana Jones Lego on the Wii. I I loved Lego. I loved my Star Wars Lego on the DS. I loved absolutely everything um, to do with Lego. I loved just hanging out with my parents. I loved hanging out with my friends. I liked going to the playground and just playing around the slides and stuff. That's what I liked as a kid. But then for a lot of us, at some point, it all changes. You guys may have seen the pictures of your own Facebook. You may have seen the pictures of like, 
how everything looked in my childhood and how everything looks now. And the one in your childhood, it's like the picture is like completely vibrant and like full. And the, and the picture that's like in my adolescence, it's like kind of dull and gray and normal. You know, that's kind of how I picture my childhood. Man, like I was so vibrant when I was little. I was so ready when I was little. And now everything seems boring and bland and meh. It's like McDonald's turning into McCafe, right? You know, it's kind of getting boring. There's no more play place. The play place was bad. Don't go to the play place. That had lots of bacteria in it. That was a bad place. That was a really bad place. <laughs> uh, but that, that was my life. I remember I turned 12 or 13 and something happened to me. I would say maybe about a week or two ago, I went to a place where my wounds first opened up to see if I could feel anything. About a 35-minute walk from here down the creek to a little place probably on someone's private property, I don't really know, but on the creek. And I remember so clearly when I was younger, about uh, 13 or 14 years old, I smoked weed with a friend at that place. And that was where my wounds first opened up. Because it wasn't just the weed that changed me. It was the fact that that led to bad friends. That led to gossip. That led to hurt. That led to people who betrayed me. That led to my parents finding out. That led to my parents finding out and hurting my family. That led to so many things. It branched out. And all of a sudden, I went from a kid like the McDonald's with the play place to a boring old McCafe that you go in. You're like, man, this is bland and boring. And all of a sudden, I started to realize I had a lot more hurts that I didn't know how to deal with. I had a lot more things that I didn't know how to deal with at all. I was starting to come to my senses when I was a little bit older, grade 11 or something like that. And all of that had kind of accumulated into me going out to find girls. Lots of girls, lots of um, finding people that would fill that void inside me to give me that peace that I needed. And in the span of that, you guys might not know this, but in grade 10, I was a player. I had like 10 or 11 girlfriends in grade 10. Man, that was like, that was like, that was the stuff back in grade 10 when I, the the pre-testimony, (laughs) pre-testimony. But I was trying to fill that void in my soul. When grade 11 came around, I was kind of coming out, I'd stopped smoking weed, I was kind of coming to my senses a little bit more, trying to find Jesus. And I was like, oh, I want one more go. So I, there was this girl I kind of liked. So I, we went on a drive somewhere, and, and uh, she smoked weed. So I decided I was going to try some again. I was like, oh, this couldn't hurt. I did it before. So I tried some. I took one single puff. We're driving back home. And of course, that's, that's what you do when you smoke weed. You drive home. That's exactly what you do. Don't do that, please. <laughs> None of this is good. <laughs> but on the way home, I remember I was sitting in the passenger seat, and we were talking about something. And all of a sudden, I turn over and look at her. And she's Bugs Bunny. Like, no joke. Sounds funny now, but it was freaky back then. And I looked at the road, and the road is going like this. Everything's purple. The, uh, the light stands are going like this. They're waving around. It's just like the stereotypical scene in a movie where, like, the person's, like, tripping out on acid. Like, that was what was happening. Like, I could hear the car talking to me. It's like, how's your day, you? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's not normal. It was a crazy time. I remember I ended up... Um, I ended up at my pastor's house because at the time, my parents were on a cruise in the Caribbean. My grandparents were watching me, so I couldn't let my grandparents find out that it was happening to me. So I went to my pastor's house, Pastor Stephen's house, and I knocked on the door. Hey, Pastor Stephen, I'm like tripping out, trying not to fall over. It's cold sweats, about to throw up. And 
<laughs> but Stephen, Stephen, Pastor Stephen, I need you. And I didn't get an answer. And I call him and I'm like, what's going on? Where are you? I need you. And he's like, I'm in Lethbridge right now. <laughs> so I ended up walking over to the Canyon School parking lot and crawling into the fetal position and rocking back and forth as the ambulance went and came to pick me up. And after that, that led to about six months worth of depression, anxiety, and panic attacks because in the midst of all of that, my mind had kind of separated into two things, into two different communicative bodies in a way where one was like the good side of me and the other was the bad side of me. It sounds really weird, but I, I, that's the only way I can explain it. And in that six months, the bad side of me, it kept on pushing and pushing and pushing, saying, you and you are not good enough. You are the worst person. You made a mistake. Every time I made a mistake, it would put me down every single time. I had no peace for those six months because I would stay awake in my bed all night long with this side of my brain telling the other side that you will never do it. You can never do it. You are worthless. It all led up into one big event when I was a cashier co-op and sitting at the till, putting people through, and this part of my brain starts to come in on me and saying, these people live a way better life than you do, Ewan. You'll never be as good as they are. Never, ever. There are seven or eight billion people in this world, and they're all better than you. Start to collapse on me, and at the till, I remember I had such a profuse panic attack that I went white in the face, and one of my coworkers had to catch me as I fell over. After drinking some water and having some cookies, I was okay. But that was what happened. The unpeacefulness in my life during those six months was so profuse that I couldn't even contain it. But then one night, I remember I was driving home. I was like, God, I know I'm a Christian. You have said in your Bible somewhere, because at that point I didn't know where, that you can help me. And I would say that like every single night I was driving home, God, you can help me. And I remember there was this one night as I was coming around the corner to my house, I said, God, I'm sick of this. I am absolutely sick of it. And in that moment, I remember, and it wasn't instant, for the first time in six months, I felt a peace that I hadn't had ever in those last six months. And God's still small voice, I remember, just so carefully whispered to me, it's going to be okay, Ewan. I'm here for you. I'll always be here for you. Here's the thing, is that God wants to seal up our wounds spiritually. He looks at them. If you guys didn't know, Jesus, the Son of God, still has his scars. It says it in the Bible. He still has his scars. He was abused for us. He was beaten for us. Isaiah 53, 3-12 says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew that what sickness was. He was like some... He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punished 
for our peace. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for all the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like sheep silent before shears, he didn't open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. If you guys didn't know, God, the Son of God, Jesus, came from heaven. If you guys got, that's one thing the church just, I don't know, it just can't get around. We can't get our minds around it. That a perfect God who was living perfectly fine in heaven decided on his own accord to come to earth. Come out of comfort to pain. And in the time of him being on earth, he experienced wounds, physical wounds, mental wounds. We always think of Jesus just being as this guy that just experienced physical pain. If you guys remember, before he died, Jesus had friends, 12 of them, one of which betrayed him fully. The other 11 completely left him. If you guys have been betrayed by friends before, this doesn't even match up to it because one of Jesus' friends literally traded him in for the same price as like a crummy used car. That's how much betrayal God went through for us. And never mind being whipped and put on a cross. Jesus experienced wounds right alongside of us. He always has in his hands, in his side, in his feet. He has experienced unpeacefulness beyond measure. Wounds that last. He's experienced it. I want to ask you guys a question. If you, who have wounds, who have unpeacefulness in your life, who have this gnawing pain that never leaves... Don't you believe that the God who could raise himself from the dead can't also help you? The God who can save himself from death, who has raised people to life and healed their wounds in the New Testament and in the present, we have seen healings in this church, can't also save you? He can I want to give those who are hurting for a, are crying out for help. You can. There is peace for you. There is. That's, I remember I was driving in the car with one of my best friends not too long ago, and I was going through a really hard situation, and it was his words. He said, you and the fight's not over yet. You can beat it. In the boxing ring with sin, in the boxing ring with evil, with your pain, with your wounds, there is hope because we have a God that is bigger. It's undisputable, undisputable victory for Jesus, who conquered the grave, who was beaten for us, can give us the peace that we need. I want to show you guys how we can get that peace. Because you might be saying, you and I have tried everything. I've tried it all. 
I want to give you guys the two ways that we can receive this peace in a world of pain. 1 Peter um, 3.11 says this, And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Let's look at it from our view. We must turn away from evil and do what is good, and we must seek peace and pursue it. I was having a conversation with Pastor Stephen this week, and I said, there's going to be a lot of people in the church who, he was said, after this message, they might come up to me and said, you and I've been doing that for 15 years. I've been seeking peace. I've been seeking, I've been seeking the, all these good things and not doing sin for 15 years. I'm doing so good. I've been doing the same for like 10 years, trying to seek peace. And it's a growing process. It's not like we just get there and we're there. We have to keep on going. We have to keep on moving. Let's grow in this together as a body. Let's grow in this together as a church. The very first thing is that we need to seek good. We have to seek the good, not the evil. And if you are a human being that lives on this earth, I can absolutely guarantee that we have done evil things. Evil things being, they don't, doesn't have to be like some mastermind evil plan that you're like plotting or something. Evil being the small things. Thinking negatively about people having co-workers that we dislike and we can't just stop complaining about them. Um, gossiping, hurting people, stealing, porn addiction, anything. Lust, greed, everything. There's a lot. There's an absolute lot of it. But if we really want to find peace, we have to go from evil to good. Have you guys ever, and I think that we've all had a, a situation like this, we did something really bad, we messed up. For instance, when I did that thing not too long ago in grade 11 or whatever with, the, with that, I came back home and I felt absolutely guilty. I felt condemned. I felt like I made the worst decision of my life. And that's what doing evil does. We are hardwired by God to do good. And if we do evil and go away from that master plan, we feel it. We absolutely feel it. We feel this, eh. So for us, we, we have to realize, we have to use those feelings that we have and bring them together and know, man, okay, I need to stop doing this. Because if you do good, for instance, if, you, if somebody sponsored a kid for um, SSC, you, you probably had that feeling of, you know, I really, I just sponsored a kid. Man, they get to have a good time at the summer camp. And it's okay to feel like that. It's good to feel like when we do good things, we feel good. That's okay. If you don't allow yourself to feel good about it, don't let it become pride. But if you don't, don't allow yourself to feel good about it, then what's the point? We have, to, we have to allow the goodness of God to impact our lives. So the first thing is that we have to seek good things. You might ask, what are these good things? We have to love people. And not just the love of, oh, I love you, but the love of... I have helped you 35 times now and you haven't gotten any better, but I'm still going to help you. I'm even going through a situation right now where I have to love somebody. Even though I've helped them 50, 60, 70, 90, 200 times with the same issue, I still love them. I've had to pass him on to somebody else that can help him, but I still am there to talk to him. I'm still there to hold his hand through the struggle he is going through. I still love him. We need to help people. We need to pray 
together as a body, as a church. It says that in the Bible, we have to. Don't neglect the meeting together of people, of the congregation. We have to do God's will. We don't bring down people. We bring them up in our words, in our actions. We give, we intercede for people. We keep a clear conscience. We fellowship with one another. These are good things. These are what we have to strive for. And of course, there are times when we really just bite the bullet. But it's okay. A righteous man falls seven times and gets up another seven. If you lose a round with sin, with evil, in the boxing ring, you can get up again. Just don't lose. Keep on going. Don't lose. There's hope for you. Another thing that we, the other part of this is that we must seek peace. Seek it. Don't just say peace will come to me. We have to pursue the peace. Pursue it. Follow it. If you want peace, you have to pray for it. You have to come and you have to say, man, God, I am wounded. Like this whole thing that we're doing with the church where it's a congregant need. You have to be okay to ask. In James it says that those who do not ask do not receive. If you haven't asked for peace and fully pursued it, you very well may not have peace. I encourage you guys today, in prayer, ask God, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. You promised peace, give me peace. Look up Bible verses and just honestly, it sounds corny, it sounds really Pentecostal, but pray it over your life. God, there's a peace beyond all measure. That's what Philippians says, right? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He has a passion for you. We can't forget that as Abundant Springs, is that our God pursues us. Let us pursue him. Let us ask him. And if you guys want to know how to experience peace in a painful world, we ask, we pray, we pursue, we fellowship, we do good. We give. And we have a relationship with God. There is a peace, this, this peace I was talking about, this harmony between people, um, there's a peace that goes beyond that and it's this piece. So some commentary somewhere I was reading this week, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a great word, this great statement for peace. And this other kind of peace is this. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever it is. It's the kind of peace that you know that you're saved. For those here today who have never experienced this peace before, the peace of knowing that there is a God who is bigger than life, who you can trust, who you can say, I know with confidence that my life is in his hands. I want to invite you into the family of God today. If you've never heard a gospel message, if you have for the first time in your life, come to church and said, man, 
I want this peace. I want to invite you today. If you want to pray along with me. Jesus, I am so unpeaceful. I am hurting. I am wounded. The world sucks. God, I need you. I want you as my friend. And God, I commit my life to you for the rest of my time. Be with me. In your precious name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer today with me, with us, I want to just welcome you into the family of God because that is absolutely amazing. There are some um, get connected and um, I decided to follow Jesus cards in the seat back in front of us and also at the back table there, the next step table. Um, but with this, we're going to sing a song here shortly as the music team comes up. And this song is a song called Rest on Us. A song about how God comes into our situations and rests on us. He comes in and he says, here is the peace that you need. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. As we leave today, as we start to sing, I want to remind you guys of the passion that God has for you. He loves you. He will always, always love you. He will never stop loving you. That is how we find peace with God, is knowing and understanding that he is God.